Okay, we are live once again. It is the midweek study session over in the book of Genesis chapter 12. We'll be continuing our journey looking into the life of Abram and Sarah as they journey their way towards Egypt and the many adventures there in chapter 12 verses 4 and following this session. Last week we kind of looked at verses 1, 2, and 3 regarding Abram and the calling that was put before him from God in order to go forth from his country, his relatives, his father's house, away from all that, to a land that God would show him. And uh, he was told that he would be made a great nation, and that those who blessed him would be blessed, and those who would curse him would be cursed. And uh, we had ourselves a wonderful uh, conversation and uh, put some stuff into practice, some application and principles and themes and all that wonderful kind of stuff. So by all means, go check out the uh, archived edition on our channel. This is the Early Bird Podcast Session. Stefan Maillet, you're in my name. AddedSouls.com is the website. And uh, we encourage you, if you find any worth in the material we produce, any substance therein for your life, please consider liking, sharing, commenting, subscribing, rumble, all that kind of good stuff. It'll help find other individuals like you and I who want to study the Bible together. And on Wednesdays is when we do that. We obviously have an itinerary. You can check that out from Monday to Friday on the show notes. And um, that, that, the timing right now, it's 8 a.m. Atlantic Daylight Time. And we've been doing that for, for a great while now, I believe. And uh, it might change for the coming season, uh, fall and winter. I may have to push it a bit further for our time over here being like 10 a.m. Atlantic Daylight Time. I'm not entirely certain yet, but I'll keep you posted as we move along anyways. So Genesis chapter 12 verses 4 and following is what we're going to be looking at today. I encourage you please to uh, consider uh, signing up to addedsouls.locals.com. It's free to do so, and therein if you choose to support the Added Souls Ministry uh, and the Maya family in the mission field here and the new church we planted in Moncton, New Brunswick, Canada, and helping us grow and all that wonderful kind of stuff, being able to, to partake in the gospel, you can do so. You, you, can, you can choose to support whatever you're willing and able to do so through addedsouls.locals.com. There's also the PayPal option for donations or uh, sending us uh, some mail. And I'll give you the address if you reach out to me. And Or if you have any concerns or questions, we can certainly have ourselves a conversation. Uh, truly appreciated if you consider that. And uh, yeah, it's a good thing, isn't it? Okay, so Genesis chapter 12, verse 4. So Abraham went forth as the Lord had spoken to him. Remember last week again, he was called to go forth uh, from his country and uh, from his relatives, you know, his hometown, his family, basically, his his home, his uh, a lot of belongings and stuff there that we're not going to all be, you know, brought forth, I think, uh, housing or security. We, anyways, we talked about all of that. So here now he's going forth, right? Abraham went forth. In chapter, uh, in verse one, he's told, go forth. And in verse 4, he went forth. That's an, it, it may seem simple, and it is, but it's, it's to the point, right? God calls us through the gospel. We read the gospel in the scriptures, and we, we either respond to it or we don't. Um, if we do, we go. And um, some don't. Most don't. Abraham, in this situation, was told to go forth. And what he was going forth into was unknown. And it must have been, you know, a bit scary, I guess. You know, uh, it must have caused some discomfort. There had to be a lot of sacrifice and uncertainties. But if you trust God, you know whatever happens is according to his will, and it will be done. And so Abraham went forth as the Lord had spoken to him. If you're going forth and it's not according to the word of God, then you might suffer, but it won't be for the right cause, right? I mean, the scriptures reveal that. If you're going to suffer, why not suffer for what is right instead of what is wrong? So Abraham went forth as the Lord had spoken to him. That is indeed the source 
and which would drive his motivation forward. And Lot went with him. And who is Lot? Well, Lot is his nephew, of course. Now, Abram was 75 years old when he parted from Haran. 75 years old, imagine that. For us in our culture, in our generation, which has greatly devolved, devolved from the age of Abram, um, 75, you know, you're up there. You're not doing much. You're not, you're not journeying too much. <laughs> Unless it's in a, you know, Winnebago or a, something along the, a plane. Um, but 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abraham took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his nephew, verse 5. Uh, and all their possessions which they had accumulated, obviously, in the time uh, they were uh, in the other location, and the persons which they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. Thus they came to the land of Canaan. So they've got servants, and they've got uh, their belongings. Uh, and so that's quite the... You know, when you when you think about how that needed to be organized and, and take place, he has his servants with him. He has his necessities, I suppose, with him for survival. But he's let go his hometown, his family, you know, his community, if you will, and uh, the things that were produced by family and hometown and community. But he has his belongings and he has uh, his servants and he's on the way as a 75-year-old man, uh, to a new location and trusting in God. And all their possessions, uh, sorry, where am I now? Five, yeah. And, and the persons which they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, thus they came to the land of Canaan. To Canaan's land I'm on my way where the soul... You know that song? Okay, so in verse 6, Abraham passed through the land as far as the site of Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. Now, the Canaanite was then in the land. <laughs> it's almost as if the uh, Lord of the Ring novels kind of hijacked some language from the scriptures, right? Abram passed through the land as far as the site of Shechem, to the oak of Moreh, kind of seems... And do and, you know novelists today who who have made them themselves famous with their minds and their imagination a great many times they they might not acknowledge it some do but they get stuff from the Bible which is interesting to me that many who do not believe in God tend to utilize his words for their benefit or their imagination sometimes it can be you know a bit of a it can be a sinister motivation but sometimes it's just a, an honest human endeavor where the imagination comes from things that are deep-rooted in the fabric of scriptural revealings. So Abram passed through the land as far as the site of Shechem and uh, to the oak of Moreh. Now the Canaanite was then in the land. So there is an, an inhabitation there in this new land that God is bringing him to. And it's inhabited and, you know, that must have caused some kind of concern, I suppose. Like, okay, in a time of tribal individuals who might not have been in fellowship with each other, I don't know, perhaps some hostilities. So the Lord appeared to Abram and said, in verse 7, to your descendants I will give this land. Well, wait a minute, doesn't this land now, isn't this land occupied by the Canaanites? But God says, to your descendants, whose descendants? Abram's descendants. I will give this land. God says something, it happens. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. And that's an important section here of our journey within the text. We're going to see a great many sinful things from Abraham and Sarah and whatnot. But they didn't, they still understood that God was God. Though tempted they will be, and falling into their temptations to trust in them own selves instead of God, which we'll have some discussion about that and how that applies to us as well, always. It, he knew, Abraham knew 
that God deserved and was worthy of worship. So the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your descendants, I will give this land. Okay, so that's a lineage. That's a lineage. In the New Testament, Jesus would say, uh, the meek would inherit the earth. Well, this is kind of a verse we could have discussion about that, you know. Abram built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. God said that his descendants would be given this land. There'd be generation, there'd be, there'd be ancestry. And that, of course, goes to verse 2 again, I will make you a great nation. So here he is to this land to be made a great nation, and he builds an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. A location. A location where they could gather and worship, present sacrifice, present something that would be pleasing to God, offering, right? What we today, through the new covenant, through Christ, known as the Lord's church, the church Jesus built, a spiritual house that can be seen through our physical vessels assembled together. We go there to worship God, to sacrifice, to offer, all in spiritual nature, of course, now. So the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. When God blesses us, when God gives us a promise, are we not wise to thank him, to give ourselves to him, to praise him? God has blessed us richly, and we don't deserve it. We really don't, and we are not even deserving of asking him anything more than he has given. He has given his son. I mean, what else would we ask of God more? He gave us his son, yet he is pleased when we have requests, when we share our thoughts with him according to his will. Abraham has this journey. It's a strenuous journey. It's filled with unknowns from his perspective, he trusts in God. God sees all tomorrows. So you trust in God because God knows what's going to happen tomorrow. But Abram's a human being like you and I. His wife, Sarah, is a human being like you and I. And so they talk to each other like human beings and they, they reason with each other like human beings. And they're given a promise that their descendants would be given this land. And so they build an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Right? So then he proceeded, in verse 8, from there to the mountain of the, on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. So we are seeing active ingredients from Abram's mind to please the great I am in whom he was called to go forth, in whom now he went forth as the Lord had spoken. And he's producing these uh, locations, these constructions for designed worship and sacrifice and calling upon the name of the Lord. It means he desired to outwardly speak and uh, communicate with God through this mean, this, this uh, uh, um, what, do you, uh, what do you call it now, the altar again, okay? Calling on his name. And that's important because, friends, if we're going to go through moments in life that are very challenging, that are unknown, it can be very tempting to fall into great anxiety and stress and depression and this, that, and the other. But if we rely on God, for you and I, we meditate, we pray, we fast, we, we, we focus, we read His Word, we pray, we pray, we read His Word. 
we call upon his name in prayer. We go to the authority. We go to the source of authority that has heard our cry, our request, our thanksgiving prior to even forming Adam and Eve. So Abram proceeds from the mountain to the east of Bethel and pitches his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east, and there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. We build a church. Whose church? His church. Christ built it. We plant it. We are together, assembled. Therein, the altar, spiritually speaking, we are there to call on his name. And we call on his name for salvation, do we not? The New Testament would say. When we are repentant believers, confessing him as our Lord and Master, ruler and king, we qualify to become. And we become, when we call on his name, being immersed, born again, into his church, added to his church among the saved, those who have been forgiven of sins. It's a beautiful thing, and that, of course, can be read for your own selves. And I want you to have an independent faith. Don't take my word for it. I might be wrong. I might be mistaken. I might have missed something. But if you go to the Bible and you read it and you respect the context and you respect the the science of interpretation, what is commonly called hermeneutics, according to the scriptures, uh, you'll see it. It's, it's in there. You can rightly handle, rightly divide it, you know, uh, to, to have it uh, reveal what the author intended us to understand. So then he proceeded and he did, he did this thing, the altar and calling on the name of the Lord. It's a source of comfort. It's a source of strength. It encourages us to know we have a God, the God, living God to call upon. He has all authority. Who's going to protect Abram and Sarah? Who's going to take care of them? Okay, so the land is going to be ours. How does this work? We are limited. We have boundaries in our mind. We are human beings on this earth subject to the natural realm. God is above and beyond that. He is supernatural. He is spirit. He has seen everything from beginning to end in one picture. We don't have that, so we must trust in him. So therefore, we must call upon him. He's the source of power and authority and guidance, love, mercy, forgiveness, in which we must seek and call upon the location, this altar for these individuals of the era. So Abram journeyed on, continuing toward the, um, let me see here, towards the south country, the Negev, okay? That's what the text would say. So he's he, he's journeying. He's moving for he's moving forth, and he's he's went forth, and on his journey as a lifestyle, these altars, calling on his name, locations in which God deserves and is worthy of worship, sacrifice, offering, calling. Friends, again, when we are on journeys in our life. Like my, my wife and I, our family, were called by the gospel through the scriptures, obviously. And we wanted to respond to that call. We wanted to be forgiven of our sins. We wanted to be faithful in Christ. We wanted to go where God would bring us and to learn what he would teach us. And we wanted to be productive for him. He's brought us to great many locations. And we've had to let go of great many things. And our path is always uncertain because we go with the wind, if you will trusting in God each day. Through him, we've been able to give uh, a decade plus, 11 years now of sacrifice to minister to brethren and love them. Even though some hate us and have become corrupt, we still love them and we still do what is right. Even though the devil will slander the Lord's work that we've been blessed to, 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 to do, the devil will slander everything and, and, and make a lie and twist and corrupt everything. I mean, Abram would have been faced with a great many challenges in his travels as well, yet still trusting in the Lord and calling upon his name and producing locations where God deserved to be uh, uh, recognized. And we, as human beings in the Lord's Church, in the New Covenant today, many ages forward from the text we are reading, we too, we go in the unknown, but we trust in God. And on our journeys, what do we do? Well, we proclaim Christ. We stop to locations where there is a local congregation that is faithful, and we worship with them. 
and we find fellowship there and encouragement there. And on our journeys, we are taken care of. It, God loves us. And there is a personal connection. Not in the way of deviation or the way the world would proclaim that sense. Not at all. A scriptural way. And God was going to secure and protect Abram. Because if God said he was going to become a great nation, then that was going to happen. And Abram needed to trust in that. So... Abram continues to journey on. And we, and I just briefly use my family as an illustration, but I know many of you have gone through the same thing. You've had to sell houses and move. You've had to let go family and friends. You've had to separate yourself from perhaps brethren who are corrupt. You've had to do many things, but you journey on and you give God his glory and you praise him and you call on his name and you sacrifice and you offer because he has seen all tomorrows and he has made a promise that if you follow his son, you will have eternal life. His will on this earth that we proclaim his son to this dying world, that we reach the faithless, that we renew the fallen and that we reinforce the faithful. We practice benevolence. We don't forsake the assembly. We congregate together, right? We move forward in this new covenant that you and I live in. And we can learn much from what is taking place here in this old covenant, in the age of the patriarch with Abram and his wife Sarah, and this, <laughs> this uh, 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 journey that needs to be filled with precaution and caution and trusting God, first and foremost. So now in the, in the text again, we go, verse 10, there was a famine in the land. Well, here comes a challenge, another challenge. There's always another challenge. Listen, if you choose to follow God, you will certainly be the recipient of forgiveness. You'll be saved and forgiven. You'll be given love and compassion. You'll find a great many blessings we count each day. But if you think that didn't come at a cost or that there will not be a need for our sacrifice and offering and challenges... Moments of great uh, uh, trial and test, man, you're, you're fooling yourself. There's one challenge after the next. Don't get too comfortable. There's another one coming. It's how we deal with it. And how do we deal with it? We call on his name. We pray. We persevere. We follow the scriptures. We remain humble. We remain humble. So there was a famine in the land. Remember, count, count what's going on here. He's journeying, and there's a great many things he's had to go through thus far. Going forth, leaving hometown, family, community, right? And now he's gone forth, and he's, he's journeying through this land, and there's a famine that he has encountered with. So Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. A severe famine it has caused a great many atrocities in our history. So much so we've seen famine in the likes in which people became cannibals, right? Mothers eating their own children. Now that's, I don't know, I don't know what to say about that. I'd much rather die, obviously. But the desperation of mankind becoming animal-like in such situations. Famine is not a joke. You know, we over here in the land of milk and honey in the Western world, we have so much food, we throw it away by the hour. I mean, garbage bags full every day from everything and everywhere. There's just throwing food away like if there's no tomorrow. We do that. I know that. I found myself guilty of that very thing. Ah, you know, I'm going to throw that away. Man, let me tell you something. I may not have experienced a famine in which we are reading. But I'm not so foolish as to take it for granted or mock it. I know. Tomorrow could be that day. Where war 
has manifested itself in our streets, and food is no longer available. You can't go to the grocery store anymore. No, 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 no. You ain't going to Mickey D's. It's over, dude. There's a lineup for about six hours to get a piece of bread if you got a hundred bucks on you or a ticket. Folks is gonna get folks is gonna get violent. Things are gonna get crazy. Things are gonna have you're gonna have a lot of concern. These corrupt powers in control of our socio-political landscapes. There's a reason they want us eating grasshoppers. Oh yeah, they want to take food away from us, man. It's, it's how you control the people. They know that. They've read the books. It's too bad my brethren, many of them, are so ignorant to these, these tactics of war. You want to control a people? You want to extinguish a people? You take away their food. You get them starving. They'll turn on themselves. They'll turn on themselves. They'll compromise. The Christians in the age in which the instructions of the revelation were given, they knew their own brethren were going to compromise and contaminate themselves with fear and cowardice. We're going to betray their own faithful kind and give them away to the Roman power so that they could just have another meal, so that they could have the mark, the documents that would allow them to enter into societal privileges. Let me tell you something. Famines in the hands of the corrupt created by them cause a lot of problems. Famine as a matter of just natural disaster or natural occurrence causes problems. It causes great concern. And there was a great famine in that land. And Abram, well, he went down to Egypt. He sojourned there. He knew what was going on. And it came about in verse 11, chapter 12, Genesis, it came about when he came near to Egypt, that he said to Sarah, his wife, See now, I know that you are a beautiful woman. She must have been like, oh, okay. <laughs> Isn't that a nice compliment for a husband to tell his wife? You are a beautiful woman. We should. And when the Egyptians see you, he says, they will say, this is his wife, and they will kill me but they will let you live. Please say, in verse 13, that you are my sister, so that it may go well with me because of you, and that I may live on account of you. Were they kind of... Was Sarah kind of his sister? Well, there's a conversation there. What's happening? What's happening here? What's what's in why is Moses writing about this account? Through the inspiration of the Spirit revealing this here moment in Abram's mind and how he reasoned with what was going on regarding the famine and going to Egypt. Here Sarah might have said here, I thought you were just being nice to me, being kind to me, and calling me beautiful, making me feel, you know, appreciated. I thought you were being thoughtful to me. No, no, no. You want to save your own hide? Is that what's going on? <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm obviously inserting perspective in conversation between a husband and wife. I mean, you know. Well, what's happening, though, in the mind of Abram? Jesus said, to your descendants, I will give this land. Okay, well, maybe that, don't, maybe that doesn't involve me. Maybe I'm going to die here going to Egypt. So I need to create this scenario so that, we don't, so that I don't get killed. Well, isn't that a bit of fear? And there ain't nothing wrong with righteous fear. Righteous fear makes one wise. But is this a bit more fear of the storm? instead of remaining focused on God's promise, how can there be descendants in the land without Abram's seed? God wasn't going to allow Abram to die at this moment, at this time in Egypt. He didn't need to create this scenario before the Pharaoh. Because that would cause suspicion. And that would mean that things don't add up quite properly. 
faithful brethren who are capable of discerning a lie can see that things don't add up. They can see that things don't add up. She's your sister. Now, that wouldn't be far off from the realm of, okay, I mean, in an age in which, really, they're all related. And if we bring it to our even generation today, yeah, we are related, we are humankind. We may be brothers and sisters through Adam and Eve, or maybe we're brothers and sisters through Christ, but either or, we're brothers and sisters through Adam and Eve. Okay, well, Sarah Summers was in the lineage of Abram, and of course, there's scripture for that. But I think the idea was more so covert in a deception of sorts that would cause one to question, and Pharaoh most certainly will as we read on, like something's not adding up here. You know, we'd be wise to kind of pay attention to those things. We'd be wise to take a step back and look at the big picture and be like, hey, something's not adding up here. Someone's lying somewhere here. Something's not right. So he says, when the Egyptians see you, Sarah, his wife, they will say, this is his wife and they'll kill me. Now, of course, Abram's not creating a... Abram doesn't have a baseless fear. Egyptians would do that. They would do that. It's not something that they... Like, it's not creating a fear. It's not creating a fear. It's a real thing that the Egyptians might do that because they they were recorded doing those things. So they'll do that. But you see, again, Abraham feared that more so than God at this moment and started to reason on his own self instead of just relying on God's promise. God said your seed's going to have descendants in that land. It takes your seed. You're not going to be extinguished. Pharaoh's not going to kill you because God's going to take care of you. You need to trust that. But yet still, though we deviate from the path God has given us, God still allows the fulfillment of his will to come to completion. We're going to see that. So, he has this reasoning, right? Please say that you're my sister so that it may go well with me because of you and that I may live on account of you. Is that a bit of cowardice? I don't know. What do you think? I, I don't know. Like, that would put his wife in great danger too. But he figures since you're beautiful, you know, Pharaoh will give you a pass. I don't know. There could be a lot of, like, there's a lot of perspectives here. There's a lot of things to consider in what you're, what you're suggesting there, Abraham. Like, what about your wife's safety? What about your safety? Okay, God said he'd take care of you. There's a great famine taking place. Okay. Why not consult with God first? Why rely on your own thoughts? You know, we human beings, when we think for ourselves, and ourselves is not thinking according to the will of our Lord and Master, well, we get in trouble, don't we? Yeah, we do. So, there's a lot of things to consider here in this conversation. Why didn't they go to God first and be like, God, there's a great famine, there's things going on, we're headed towards Egypt and Pharaoh and whatnot, what do you want us to do? See, you and I, we go to the Bible with a question. Lord, is it time for us to do this? Uh, we're, we're, it could be anything. It could be a, a, a large purchase. Lord, is it your will that we purchase this? Read the word. Look at all the factors. Be wise in what God has allowed you to, to know. You know, we got to consult the word of God. Why didn't Abram consult the word of God? I mean, this is a big decision. What would the word of God have told you? Well, if he would have asked, he would have known. But instead, he relies on his own self. And Abram's a free-willed agent. We are all free-willed agents. We're not created robots. You and I can think. That's the blessing in which God created us. In his image with eternal attributes. We get to think for ourselves, use our own independent, accountable mind. And we can use our own accountable thinking mind, thinking for ourselves, if thinking for ourselves 
is governed by God's word, then his will is accomplished through us. Well, when we don't approach him for his instruction, and we rely on our own selves, apart from his instruction, yeah, we're going to start saying things like this, like, hey, listen, we got to create this kind of deceptive web here. Well, what about, okay, well, now we got security breaches. Now we got security problems. What's going to happen? Anyhow, so please say that you're my sister so that it may go well with me because of you and that I may live on account of you. So that I may live on account of you. Well, Abraham, you were going to live on account of God. God was going to make you a great nation. Like, when God said, go forth, and you went forth, it wasn't just to arrive at this moment and then be killed. So, again, we can see here, human beings doing what human beings do, not going to God first, not seeking His word, His instruction, but just relying on our own selves to make up something up and just... It's going to cause problems. So it came about, verse 14, when Abram came into Egypt. The Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. And she must certainly have been beautiful because the Egyptians were known to have very beautiful women. And Abraham himself could recognize that his wife was a very beautiful woman. And beautiful, of course, has an outward appearance, but it also has an inward appearance, does it not? Of course. Of course. But an outward beauty is certainly attractive. Our society sadly has corrupted that and perverted that, over-sexualized everything when it comes to beauty. But there is a uh, sense in which we can recognize beauty for what is beauty, like true art, if you will, like, wow, you know. So Pharaoh's officials saw her in verse 15. And praised her for, to Pharaoh. Like, you have to see this woman. You have to see this woman. Yeah, but she's not a, she's not an Egyptian. Yeah, but it, it doesn't matter. You have to see this woman. Like, she's a beautiful woman. And so the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. She was taken into Pharaoh's house. Therefore, he treated Abraham well for her sake. Well, yeah. I mean, if this beautiful woman, stunning woman, very attractive woman in the realm of the pagan now, the heathen. I mean, we're going to take care of her brother. We want her to be happy. She's happy when her brother's happy. We're going to keep his brother happy. Right? We know that in our relationships. I love my wife. Therefore, I love her family. And it's not a burden. Her family's, her family's a very kind family. We've gotten along. But we've all been in relationships, perhaps, where it's kind of like, ugh. Yeah. The in-laws are really just outlaws, and uh, it's a problem. But because I love this person, I guess I'll suffer it. Well, Pharaoh's officials saw Sarah and praised her to Pharaoh. A beautiful woman. Very attractive woman. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. Some say at this here junction that they had relations. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Either or. Therefore, he treated Abram well for her sake and gave him sheep and oxen and donkeys and male and female servants and female donkeys and camels. So Abram was able to receive wealth, provisions, security through this narrative that he had created, which was deceptive in one sense, because, well, yeah, okay, we could make an we could make an argument in court that she is his sister, but I don't think to the measurement in which they presented it before the Pharaoh. Therefore, he treated Abraham. Pharaoh's, uh, Pharaoh treated Abraham, uh, Abram well for her sake. So it didn't really have to do with what Abraham was personally of his own independent kind. It was because of her. I'll treat him well because of her. 
I don't really care much for him, but because of her, I'll take care of him. That'll make her happy. And so he gave him sheep, oxen, donkeys, male and female servants, and female donkeys and camels. He gave him wealth. He gave him security. He gave him pretty much uh, a pretty decent, pretty decent, uh, what do you call that? Um, pretty decent existence there. I mean, remember, there's a great famine. But the Lord struck Pharaoh. So here comes the Lord. Divine intervention. He has to get involved again because Abraham deviated from his promise. Why didn't Abraham go to God? He should have. This here could have been avoided. Precaution. Seek God first. Ask God first. God will make sure to tell you what you need to do. For you and I today, we read the Bible. The Bible tells us. We go through great moments of sorrow, temptation, pain, you name it. You got to go to the Bible because if you just rely on your own fleshly ways, you're going to make a mess. Go to the Bible. The Bible will reveal what's happening to you, what has happened to you, how to deal with it, how to persevere through it. Why did Abraham not go to God first? So now, here comes God. The Lord struck Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah. So what's the reason? Because of what had taken place with Sarah, Abram's wife. So here in verse 17, the Lord has to administer justice. There is consequence to what is happening to Sarah. And what does the verse say? Abram's wife. What did Abram say to his wife? Call yourself my sister. So there seems to be a difference in what God recognizes her to be compared to what Abraham wanted her to be seen before the Pharaoh. Right? Transparency here is important. Don't go deviate yourself. I know, sadly, sadly individuals in the church who, who uh, hide, they conceal their identity pretty well. Don't need to hide it. What, what are you hiding for? God knows. God recognize, recognizes what's going on. She's Abraham's wife. She's not her sister. So God has to get involved here, and there has to be consequence. So he struck Pharaoh and his house with great plagues. Then Pharaoh called Abram and said, in verse 18, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? So obviously there's a difference here. Now, could have... Could Abram have made the case here? Well, well, listen, technically she is my sister, kind of, like through this here and that there. And No, 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 no. Again, the measurement of this here moment goes a bit deeper than the argument Abraham could have brought up. What is this that you have done to me? Why did you tell me that she was your wife? Like, if you're hearing that from the Pharaoh, it would be more fearful at that moment for Abram than it was at the very beginning where he says, See now, I know that you are a beautiful woman, and when the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. So what began this? He was scared he was going to get killed, so he wants to create this narrative before Pharaoh in order not to get killed. But what did it end up doing? Bring him to a moment in which he might get killed. You see that? So the Lord struck Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, I mean, obviously, Pharaoh's like, there's a bit... <laughs> One plus one, one plus one makes two. Now, let's think of this as well. Let's think about Pharaoh's perspective. So we're going we're gonna to rewind a bit here and go back to Pharaoh's officials seeing Sarah and how beautiful she was and them praising her to Pharaoh. So Pharaoh's officials perhaps let their guards down because of her beauty, right? Men do that, don't they? 
She's so beautiful. Yeah? Why is she there? With whom is she really with? And what's going on? There's no sin in being wise with motive. Why are they here? What's their journey? What's their cause? So Pharaoh's officials drop the ball because she's beautiful and they're blinded by it. And Pharaoh himself, allowing their words to permeate in his mind about the beauty of this woman, seeing her obviously being like, oh. So he drops his his uh, uh, ability to be secure. The Trojan horse. The Trojan horse. No, let's not look inside. Let's just look at the beauty of it outside. No, listen. Why is she here? Yes, she is beautiful, but why is she here? There's a great many brethren who have fallen prey to beautiful women who, once they got married, ooh, a lot of problems. A lot of problems. So not only do Pharaoh's officials blind themselves from their duty to protect Pharaoh because of the beauty of this woman, and it's not to her fault, by the way. I'm not speaking sin on her because she's beautiful. I'm saying just because someone is beautiful doesn't make one immediately there for the right reasons or wrong reasons. I'm speaking generally here with a broad brush in, in, in the spectrum of our conversation, the context. So Pharaoh's officials drop the ball. Pharaoh does as well. He should have known better. He'd be like, hey, well, okay, she's beautiful, but what's going on here? He's his, they're traveling together because they're brother and sister? Like, what's going on? Where do they come from? What's their journey? Like, why are they here? And this have not needed to be taken place if they would have just been up front from the beginning and trusted God. God would have told, maybe God would have said, go there to Pharaoh and tell them everything. Don't worry, he won't kill you. We don't know because Abram didn't consult with God first. So here all of this now takes place. And so the Lord struck Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, what is this that you've done to me? Now, he didn't blame, he didn't blame God. He didn't blame Sarah. He's blaming Abram. The source in which all of this took place. Of course, Pharaoh not allowing himself to be accountable to, for his part in this mess as well. For not inquiring a bit more deeper into what was going on with this supposed brother and sister. What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Like, you left out some important information here, buddy. Like, I took her into my harem, if you will, my location of which the privileged are given, beautiful women are given. Like, don't you think that would have been an important thing to tell me, that she was your wife, and that somehow, you know, this was going to be a problem with your God? Why did you say she is my sister, so that I look, so I took her for my wife. Well, then, you know, that's a pretty, that's a pretty uh, challenging moment there, to say the least. Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. <laughs> Abram's tossing Sarah around. Well, Sarah's, of course, Sarah's going to suggest something very foolish as well, as we know to come in our further studies. If we don't ask God, if we don't seek God's instruction and follow his instruction, we're going to make ourselves, we're going to put ourselves in a, in, a, in a mess. So Pharaoh takes her as his wife, and again, that might be, that might be evidence that could be presented, you know, uh, consequence uh, to the fact that perhaps he had relations with this woman. I mean, I had relations with her. I took her as my wife. I brought her into my household. We laid together. I thought she was your sister. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? No wonder I've been plagued here, struck so Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, Abram, and they escorted him away. 
with his wife and all that belonged to him. You gotta go. Even the heathen knew we must remove, we must remove this contaminant that was infecting us with plague. We've, we've, we've done the physician's duty. We've looked into the body and we found, we found the source in which was poisoning us here. A lie. Had a moment of clarity there. Oh, and how we do pray some of our brethren have a moment of clarity and recognize the source of corruption and hypocrisy that contaminates and emboldens all sorts of delinquencies in the local assemblies. Some do, some, some do, some, some don't. Pharaoh, as a heathen, could even see that. If he'd only see his part in it, though, he should have been a bit more precautious. You know, some of us, that's the, we got to be real and humble with ourselves. Sometimes our, most of our regrets is that we didn't see a problem coming, and we got bit by the snake, right? We should have saw the red flags. We should have saw the problem. Pharaoh should have saw there was something off. Something was not adding up. Why is this here man and woman here with all of this and going on and there's a famine out there? So what's going on? No, blinded by the beauty. I mean, they were charmed by her beauty. Sometimes we're charmed by individuals. It could be an intellectual charm. They may seem very intelligent. It could be beauty. It could be all sorts of things, perhaps career, profession. We're blinded by that and we let down our wit we 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 drop the ball and we well invite a very corrupt very corrupt and uh sinister presence among us that causes us great sorrow and pain right pharaoh being bit by the snake now recognizes the source of corruption in his from his perspective, it's like, okay, we gotta get we gotta get rid of them. They're the problem here. <laughs> yeah, takes a moment of clarity, doesn't it? Abram should have asked. He should have went to God. Should have went to God. All right. Well, I suppose that will conclude this section here. We'll get into the next part of it, uh, the next chapter, uh, next week. Hopefully, you find some value and some substance in the things we're talking about, the things uh, that we are. Uh, uh, looking into in the scriptures by all means subscribe like share comment you know rumble all that good stuff sign up to addedsouls.locals.com therein you can support this kind of work so that it'll keep going forward that okay stay focused stay positive we shall certainly meet again tomorrow lord willing god bless